This is an AMI podcast. Are you ready? Let's go. From AMI Central. Now circling in the neutral zone. Here's the pitch on the way. 36 yards for the win. This. Here comes a big chance. The shot is. Is this the tagger? The neutral zone. Oh, Oh, my God. This is as good as it gets. Now, here's your host, two-time Paralympian, Rock Richardson. What's going on? It's time for another edition of the Neutral Zone. I am indeed your host, Brock Richardson. And right now alongside me is Cam Jenkins. Before we introduce Cam Jenkins, I'm just going to let you know that Claire Buchanan is a bit under the weather today. So she'll be joining us a bit later on. But she was busy at the Cruiser's Cup. And so her voice is a little bit uh, suspect, shall we say. And so we're giving her a bit of a break and not making her do a whole... 54 minute podcast hello cameron how are you i'm doing okay brock it's uh yeah it was a pretty good weekend lots of sports going on i uh, wasn't able to make the cruiser's cup unfortunately um but i hear it was good and i heard you were there watching uh, at least a game i did i watched uh two games i watched one of Josh's and one of Claire's. Um, yeah, so it was uh, it's a good. I always love the Cruisers Cup. It's a, it's a well put on event and always good uh, to uh, see everybody and watch some really high level um, para ice hockey because that's what you get to see. So we'll we'll do the uh, post celebration of the Cruisers Cup in a bit, but I wanted to get off the top of the show. Um, For those of you that may not know about the story of Mitchell Miller, let me tell you the story. So back in 2016, he was convicted at the age of 15 for racially abusing and bullying his then developmentally disabled classmate, Isaiah Miller Carruthers, let me correct that, Isaiah Meyer Carruthers is his name, and the Boston Bruins gave him a minor league deal, but then they rescinded his minor league deal due to the fact that the NHL and some of the Boston Bruins did not agree with this decision. Cameron, I'll let you go two places here. Uh, one, what were your thoughts on two of the story itself? And secondly, are you surprised with the rescinded of the contract? No, I'm not uh, surprised at the rescinding of the contract whatsoever. Um, there was a lot of backlash uh, when it came to this, when people found out that um, basically Boston was putting um, – their team first by signing this good player rather than what is morally correct. And I'm glad that they did rescind it. Um, but it wasn't until uh, there was so much pushback that they ended up rescinding it. So, um, and the thing is, is that, you know, it's the moral conversation is of does everybody deserve a second chance? And, you know, I would say in a lot of cases, yes. However, um, from all the reports that I've heard, um, he just has not shown any remorse whatsoever. And he has not reached out to the family uh, specifically uh, to apologize to them. Um, so it's it's just been a PR fiasco for um, 
uh, for the Boston Bruins. And yeah, it's going to be really interesting moving forward um, to see what happens because Gary Bettman didn't even um, okay it. He says that he's not going to be playing in the NHL, in fact. Um, I forget who reported on that, but uh, Bettman said that as well. So um, it's almost like Boston had to say, no, where you've got to rescind the contract because you're not even going to be able to play. Yes, so. and I think that that's true. Uh, Gary Bettman did sort of walk the line of, like, at this point, he's not welcome in the NHL. The Boston Bruins would have to show us all kinds of uh, evidence that would show that this individual is better for it and done the right things. And I think due to the PR fiasco, as you put it, I, I think this was too much uh, too quickly for uh, Boston. And I'm not even sure that they would have been able to prove the things that they would have had to prove, uh, given uh, given what you pointed out as, um, you, you know, it doesn't even seem that he's you know, remorseful of the situation. You know, it's, it's sort of one of those things. I'm going to make fun of myself for a second because I totally forgot that I was on camera as I was talking. I went to go itch my face and realized halfway through, I'm like, oh yeah, you're on camera. Anyway, as I figure myself out, it's time to get into our headlines for this week. Neutral Zone Headlines. headlines. The Houston Astros win the 2022 World Series. Also, Jer Jeremy Pena is the World Series MVP. This season, Pena has won the America League Championship Series MVP plus a gold glove as the best shortstop in the American League and now a World Series Championship. I also like the fact that Dusty Baker has finally won a World Series as well because this is the first World Series that he has been able to get in his illustrious career. Awesome. Congratulations to them from me as well. Late last week, the Brooklyn Nets and Steve Nash, Canadian coach, mutually agreed to part ways. The, st the story began to get a bit weird shortly after it was announced that suspended Boston Celtics coach Ime Udoka is, has emerged as the likely candidate for the next coach as the Nets. Udoka is currently suspended by only the Boston Celtics for violating sexual misconduct policy let, let me tell you one thing the Brooklyn Nets are in a world of hurt with all that's going on with Kyrie Irving and all of that and now their coach I don't know why you would even engage in Mr. Udoka as being your coach but hey to each their own I guess Toronto Blue Jays first baseman Vladimir Guerrero Jr. has won his first gold glove at first base this award is given for exceptional play at his position. It's really nice to see Vladdy get a gold glove. I know a lot of people were concerned about his glove, I guess more so being a third baseman than a first baseman, but he has worked really hard on his defense and he's been rewarded by getting a gold glove this year. Those are your headlines for this week. Let's go back to our Twitter poll questions as we often do at this time of the program. With rumors circulating, do you think Serena Williams will make a return to tennis? 80% of you said yes, and 20% of you said no. And this week's question is, are you happy with this year's World Series champion? Your answer is 
yes or no. You can cast your votes at our Twitter handles coming at you right now. And welcome back to the Neutral Zone AMI broadcast booth. And we are set to get this ball game underway. The first pitch brought to you by Brock Richardson's Twitter account at NeutralZoneBR. First pitch, strike. And hey, gang, why not strike up a Twitter chat with Claire Buchanan for the Neutral Zone? Find her at Neutral Zone CB. And there's a swing and a chopper out to second base right at Claire. She picks up the ball, throws it over to first base for a routine out. And fans, there is nothing routine about connecting with Cam and Josh from the Neutral Zone. At Neutral Zone, Cam J and at J Watson 200. Now that's a winning combination. And this Oregon interlude is brought to you by AMI-audio on Twitter. Get in touch with the Neutral Zone. Type in at AMI-audio. So we were supposed to have Rhonda Gohari join us. And we had some uh, technical challenges with her. And so... What we're going to do now is we're going to, well, I'm going to tell you a little bit about the November the 12th uh, event, and that is that they are going to be inducting uh, some individuals into the Hall of Fame. But one of the big notes from an AMI perspective, two big notes, number one is that Kelly McDonald, who has emceed for a long, long time with um, with them is not going to be emceeing and yours truly myself will be emceeing the event on Saturday so I'm really looking forward to that um, doing that and taking over for Kelly I know Kelly has done a lot uh, for the organization as a whole and uh, it'll be fun to uh, be a part of it and I know uh, that Cameron you have been a part of uh one or two Ontario Blind Sports. We can't exactly remember how many, but at least one or two. And I want your thoughts uh, as to the event and your take on what we've done at OBSA. It's been a phenomenal uh, award ceremony. Um, I remember the first year going, I think maybe that was our first live that we ever did. It was. Uh, it was. Okay. Yeah, that's what I thought. So I remember like everybody's eyes were like, super big like the size of a dinner plate wondering like what we're doing uh, a lot of us were new um to this type of thing and not sure if we could uh talk enough to be able to get through it but um you know staff at ami i think jeff was there that time and andy was there and they were kind of working things from the background as i remember and getting interviews for us and we were talking away and yeah it just felt so natural to do it and it was so nice to see uh, so many athletes that have put in so much work over the years get to be part of the uh, Ontario Blind Sports Hall of Fame. And hearing some of their stories um, and what they've accomplished uh, throughout their sporting life, um, you know, is just fantastic. Yeah, it is. And it's really a wonderful event. Last time they did an in-person event, it was... Uh, 2019 and Kelly had asked me at that point, would I do 50 50 with him? Because at that point he was considering um, not renewing it. And he was hopeful that I would get offered to, uh, to take it over. And I did, and it was fun and really enjoyed it. But now I will not have uh, my mentor alongside me this time around uh, I'll be doing it solo and so be a bit fun. But uh, one of my favorite parts of the event itself is that they do um, 
in addition to the Hall of Fame inductees, they do something that's called a balloon game. So they, they bring a bunch of balloons with different prizes in it, and it's almost as if you're gone to a, a circus. And I don't mean that to be disrespectful. I mean it to be totally respectful, where they bring a bunch of balloons and you, you get them for, you know, $20. And the, the main prize in the past has been uh, Blue Jays home opener tickets. And inside each balloon is a uh, number that correlates with a prize on this big table. And you get the number and then you go to the go to the table and all the while while you're waiting in line, you have no idea what you're prize is so you're like did i get the main prize or did i get what did i get you know because it doesn't say on the number it, it just literally says the number so uh it's it's fun and you get to be uh be social as well and uh george Cork. was there a mad dash for those balloons uh I can't like i remember the balloons i remember popping them to try to find out what you got or there was a number associated but was there like a mad dash and elbows up in the air for trying to get more than one balloon or uh yes as it gets closer to the last bunch people <laughs> are like no i want another one i want another one i want another one and as MC, that's what as I MC this year. As if you like uh, Black Friday, we'll we'll <laughs> rush to uh... yeah. We'll, we'll <laughs> I've never get the I've, balloons. Try to get those blue jay. Tickets. I've never done a Black Friday, but I would imagine that yes, Claire, it would be Oof, it would be don't. it would be something similar. I know, Claire, you're going to be in attendance at the uh, Accessible Media Inc. table. What are you looking forward to uh, as you embark on this event for the first time? Yeah, uh, this will be my first time there. And um, I always love a good excuse to uh, dress up nice and fancy and, and go out and have a nice dinner and, and hang out with the buddies. So I'm excited to hang out with you guys. But yeah, it's cool to uh, hear stories from you guys about, um, yeah, like the balloon thing. I'm, I'm pumped for that. Um, and uh, <laughs> it, it's pretty cool hearing that you guys did your first uh, live show at at the event. And I don't think I've ever been to an event that had a hall of fame induction. So, um, as an athlete myself, I think that's, that's just going to be really cool to, um, showcase the athletes and, and, and all the success that they've had in their athletic careers. Yes, I agree. I think they have, um, don't they have a, um, a, what do you call it, a silent auction too, don't they? Yes. And I have it on a good authority this year that they're doing it as a, QR code where you use your phone to bid. So they're going like all technology on us, which is <laughs> kind of cool. And the thing that I remember about, about doing the, um, the the Hall of Fame with Kelly was that I remember listening to people's, you know, cred as, as an athlete and the stuff that they've gone through. And I remember thinking to myself, okay, I've gone to a Paralympic Games, but I haven't done half of what they've done so it's the stories that you know we get to hear and 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 talk about and plus there's good food and and uh, george kawarku who is usually the dj is going to return again uh this year and he did my well, his girlfriend uh did my um wedding and so i know that he's able to do a, a good job um with that as well so lots of good uh good stuff coming and and it's going to be fun um but we'll see how how things go and and i'll tell you guys this that uh everything i've 
learned if I if I, if I do a good job, I'm taking the credit. If I do a bad job, I'm pointing directly at Kelly and saying that's my mentor. It's his fault. So we'll uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll see how we'll see how the Come night on, goes. Uh, but uh, yeah, it, it'll be a good time. And uh, yeah. Um, Claire, your voice is not where it normally is. Ah, uh, here it is. <laughs> not where it normally is. And uh, we saw each other on the weekend, and I was teasing her a little bit about her voice. And uh, she was standing beside me, and I was teasing her. And she said, okay, I got to go dress up uh, for the game and get ready. And I said, Okay, have a good game, Claire. And she walked away and said something. I don't even remember what exactly she said, but uh, yeah. It's probably something that she can't repeat. She, she's still... Yeah, it might not be radio and uh, TV uh, appropriate. <laughs> she, she's still here, so uh couldn't have been that bad. She likes to uh, she, she likes to tease, and that's the great thing about uh, about this team is that we, we like to tease each other, and it's good. But Claire, it's good that you're... Uh, toughen it out for us for a little bit um Claire, i just want to ask you real quick how did you lose your voice were you like yelling out at all the players to get going to go you know sledge quicker or <laughs> i wish i uh i i woke up friday morning first day of the tournament and uh it was a, little, a lot worse than it is now but uh yeah i woke up with no voice and Going right into a tournament, having six games ahead of me, so <laughs> it was a uh, it was a fun weekend. But I I take a lot of pride in the uh, level of communication that I bring to my game, and I just was not able to uh, access that part of my game. So it was, uh, I did as much as I could and and tried to rest my voice as much as possible. But of course, at a tournament like that, you you wanted to say hi to everybody that you haven't seen, especially uh with recently the the pandemic and stuff some people you haven't seen for a couple of years now and um all worth it though. yeah yeah for sure um josh will be joining us in a bit to talk about his uh cruisers cup experience as well but claire before we talk about how things went for you i know you're now playing on a, a different team and i'm curious to kind of find out from you um what that transitions like you you you've been a part of the cruisers for a long time and you made a switch um from what i understand to make the commute a bit easier for you but can you talk a little bit about the switch and what it's like to kind of break away from what i perceive as all that you've known and then go into another team yeah you put it perfectly i've been a cruiser through and through since the age of 12 and i've played uh, wheelchair basketball and sledge hockey and done track and field with that organization. And, um, they've obviously given me so much and I'm very grateful and, and thankful that I was able to, uh, represent the cruisers for, uh, that long. But, uh, yeah, like you said, I, uh, being a mom and, and, and traveling and, and also playing hockey, it just, uh, um, made a little more sense to be closer to my family and, and, uh, resources for childcare during practices. And it just makes it easier also for my family to come out and, and watch me play now. So, um, yeah, just, um, there's multiple reasons and, and there's not an ounce of bad blood with, with me and the cruisers. Like I said, I'm very thankful and, 
I, I will always show up and still watch some sledge hockey games of theirs as well and uh, look forward to seeing them in London. And um, yeah, but I, I'm excited and uh, to be a Steelhawk and, and play for Durham. So uh, let's talk about something that's going to be a bit unique. And I know it hasn't started yet, but but this is going to be happening. You're your son and you will be eventually playing on the same team as a parent what is that like like i know it hasn't happened yet but the the prospect of playing with your kid which i know was a lot of the at least part of it part of the reason of 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 moving over there as well yeah dash loves being at the arena and loves watching me play and um, he's actually home with me today, uh, from, with the strike going on. Thankfully the kids are back in school tomorrow, but, uh, yeah, I am pumped to get his butt in a sled and, and get him on the ice and, and push him around a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, uh, the, the cutest pictures that I've seen of Dash with, uh, with, with the jersey on is the fact that he's worn your jersey with your your last name on the back which is really cool and I, and I think that's cool and the, the thing about bocce is we've never really had a uh, a jersey per se that we can you know put our names on the back but I would love that if my nephews or nieces had had my name on the back but it just didn't sort of lend itself to uh, do that in bocce so very cool to see that he's going to be uh, going to be getting in a sledge is there any kind of time frame as to when we might see this take place <laughs> oh well this weekend we actually have a game so uh it's not a practice weekend so uh it'll be another couple of weeks but um they have the sleds available and uh there's a couple other tiny little kids on the ice already so uh yeah i'm looking forward to it and and i i'm sure he is too it's uh he's I, I don't know if he's into sports yet, but he, he wants to be on that ice with me and, and, and checking out the sleds and stuff. So, yeah, it'll be exciting. We're going to have to – you know what we're going to do? I'll, I will say this on the air. When he gets in the sledge, I would like him to come on our podcast, and I would like him to tell us as a kid what it was like to get in a sledge and play para ice hockey. So when it happens – we're going to we're going to do that cuz i know he likes the um the idea of putting on the headsets and things like that so love that and oh yeah he is he is eager to play around with this setup yeah. <laughs> he's done pretty well <laughs> with keeping his hands off of it but he wants to play around that's for sure yeah nice and then obviously with the durham um they uh, allow both able bodied and um para uh, people to play? Yes. So Durham is one of the organizations that has uh, a good group of able-bodied players that help grow the game and, and support sledge hockey and uh, make it so that the uh, the uh, community of disabled athletes in Durham are able to uh, get on the ice and, and play sledge hockey. Without uh, putting either of you, you know, in a, in a, in a corner on this, but Something just sort of dawned in my mind. Um, do you guys think that the reason the cruisers don't do that is based on numbers? Or do you think it goes a bit deeper? And if it goes a bit deeper, then say what you're comfortable saying on the, the deeper level. But 
Cameron, I'm going to start with you on this one and just kind of give me your thoughts. Yeah, um, I know that originally when the cruisers didn't have a lot of people, um, you know, back in the 80s, I was going to say 1800s, but we all know it wasn't the 1800s. But in the 1980s, when I started, um, there was only about maybe six or seven of us. Um, so I know two, two of the founding members, Scott Little and Dennis Charbonneau, um, their brothers used to play on the team so we could like end up having a game um but within you know we're lucky to be in the peel uh region um because we have such a um, good population base and there's a lot of uh, disabled people uh, here so that's why the cruisers in my opinion went to uh just disabled because this sport uh, you know was um made so uh, disabled people can uh, you know enjoy a sport or play a sport um, saying that in a smaller community like I uh, remember um, just uh, outside of Barry um, I forget the name of that team hopefully one of you or Claire maybe you could help me out with the name that's just outside Barry um, they had a team and they came together as a community uh, because there was only one uh, disabled person there um, so they ended up getting some uh, able-bodied people to play. And, you know, when you're a community coming together and there aren't a lot of disabled people, I have absolutely no problem whatsoever if there's able-bodied and disabled uh, people playing together. Um, and I think in um, cities uh, that do have a, you know, good-sized population base, um, you know, my opinion is is that the sledge hockey uh, it is for disabled people to play. So, um, if you have a big population base, then you know I would also go with that of uh, just disabled people. But if it's a smaller community, I think both because that way, um, you know, it's inclusion and disabled people uh, can play, and that's what you want them to do at the end of the day. Yeah, you touched on it uh, really well that in, in smaller communities, there just isn't uh, one, the uh, exposure and awareness that the sport exists and um, having able-bodied athletes there to really round out the teams helps out. So um, yeah, it's a good question. Uh, it, I'd be interested to really ask uh the people at the cruisers and, and on the board, um, uh, they, they, they've been around for quite some time. I think the cruiser started in the late eighties, uh, yep. around when I was born. So, um, <laughs> thanks Claire. Yeah, you just, just <laughs> made me feel really old. <laughs> nice shot. She also made <laughs> I think they started in 87 and I was born in 87. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, I, it's a good question. It, it, it just might've been something that they, they started out with and just, it, there hasn't been kind of this push or, or even need to change that. Um, because like you said, it's, it's a giant organization and there's a ton of athletes and, and not just sledge hockey. They have a ton of athletes in wheelchair basketball and, and track and field and then bocha. And so yeah. Yeah. It's, and like just the hockey teams alone, isn't there like four or five teams? Yeah, they got an A division, uh two C division teams and a junior uh, juniors program and I think an open program as well. So there you go. So there's like five and it's all uh, you know, um disabled people. So yeah, if you've got the um population base to be able to have uh, just disabled people, I'm all for it. 
Can I just say, uh, before we continue this conversation, uh, we, we love the cruisers here at the neutral zone. I am, I am in absolutely no way, uh, knocking the organization in one way, shape, form. I just wanted to have a little bit of a conversation because I sat up there in that horrible accessible section, which we'll chat about when we get to chat about the actual event. But I sat up in the horrible accessible section and I, and I was sitting there and I thought about one of one of the reasons Claire moved and I started thinking, well, okay, the commute's better. Check that. That's good. We can accept that. And move on. Two is that she wants to play with her son. And I started to think, what if there are other people that want to do that very same thing? Now, as I look at the cruisers, we discuss, you know, five teams. Are the are the numbers there to do it? Um, I'm thinking probably not. Because with you you have five Where teams the, which means Dara? you need uh you need five coaches plus assistants plus like the numbers just just get bigger and bigger real quick when you're the cruisers. So I I, I do get it and I understand it. So I, but again, it's just one of those things that popped in my mind. I'm thinking, you know what? Let's let's see what they say, and and uh, yeah, uh, Claire, let's talk about your event. Um, before we talk about it, I, I'm gonna say that I was uh, I came for Josh's game uh, Saturday afternoon, and and my wife and I were walking uh, over to the venue, and uh, we heard a voice that resembled one Claire Buchanan, but she knew it more than I did, my wife that is, and I said, that was Claire, and she said, yeah, it was, and I said, oh boy, I don't know how Monday is going to go for Claire, but we'll see how this works, <laughs> and we found out that Claire had a had a game in um, that afternoon, and we stayed, and the one thing Claire said was, Oh yeah, we we lost by a bunch against Buffalo. So uh, temper your expectations. I think was the words you you <laughs> used. And then you guys went and had a wonderful game, which was highly entertaining to watch. Um, but let's go back to the beginning of the event. Um, let's let's run through your round robin first, and then we'll get into the playoffs and all that. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, there was three teams in, in our division, uh, including us. So uh, we played Buffalo and a team from Montreal. So we played uh, both of them twice, which is why we had two games on Friday and two games on Saturday leading into the playoffs. So uh, right out of the out of the bag, we, we played Montreal and um, then then played Buffalo. And, and like I told you, it was it was a little bit of a beating. Team. They a little surprised us a little bit. Um, uh, the very, very quick and agile team, and you can tell that they they put in the work and practice a lot together. Um, they just find each other really easily. So, uh, yeah, Buffalo ended up beating us six one in our first game against them. And uh, yeah, leading into Saturday, I having people watch the second game of Buffalo. I was like, oh, like. Uh, this might not be uh, as tight as a game as as you're looking to watch when you when you go to a hockey tournament. But like you said, it was an exciting one. They uh, we ended up winning three two and scoring the winning goal in the last few minutes of the third period. So um, yeah, the round robin was was a ton of fun and um, kudos to the Montreal team. They are a very young team and. Uh, had a few women in there that are uh, looking to 
put in the effort to try to crack the women's roster for the national team and including their goalie. So um, I know, I know it was a very tough weekend uh, for her, but um, so proud to see the next generation just working so hard. And uh, I hope that those individuals uh, just don't give up and um, just keep getting better. Cause I'm excited not only see them next year, but in what, two months, three months, at the London tournament. So we'll, we'll probably see the same teams again in, in London. And yeah, it'll be exciting. All right. Josh is also joining us now. Hello, Josh. How are you? Hello. Hello. Not too bad. Not too bad. It's been a bit of an interesting uh, afternoon. I was expecting to be here before now, but uh, apologize for being late. But it was, uh, it was definitely worth it. So hopefully we can still have a good discussion. 100%. Um, Claire, anything else on your tournament that you shall add to this conversation? Yeah, I'll uh, just add that uh, we ended up playing Buffalo again in, in the final game, and uh, they they ran away with the gold medal uh, 3-1. So, we again, we were still able to keep it to a tight game, and uh, it, it showed that uh, each day we, we kind of got more and more comfortable with each other, and um, me being with a new team, I've only had what maybe three or four practices uh, with them as well. So it's it's nice to have a tournament under our belts and and see how we actually play as a full team and outside of practices. So yeah, looking forward to uh, the London tournament so we can uh, gel even more and see if we can uh, turn that silver into a gold in our next tournament. Yes, and that's that's you know what when you're with a new team, there's some kinks you got to work out and some i'm wearing a different uniform I, there all kinds of different things i've never yeah everyone was uh bugging me because they were <laughs> like we definitely tell who claire is she's the only one with red gloves on the ice <laughs> yeah it was much easier to spot um, your cruisers red yeah it's uh went from donning the red and white with the cruisers to uh black and blue now so i <laughs> <laughs> Gotta get some uh, either black or blue gloves. So, well, Claire, <laughs> it's I easy to point me out. <laughs> well, Claire, like uh, I think we said in the group chat because we have a group chat and we, you know, chit and chat there sometimes. And yeah, as long as you're not playing the cruisers, I'll be cheering for you, like anybody else. But once <laughs> yeah. you play with uh, against those cruisers, I just can't cheer for you. Well, see, that's another thing. I was I was really hoping that the cruisers would um, somehow put uh, a team into the B division because I think that uh, they would do very well in the B, B division, and I think they have the players to to be able to put in a team. And um, yeah, it's it's new team, new division, and it's it's exciting. It's I'm I'm really enjoying it. Yes, and I, I for the listener out there, just this gives you a total idea of how long Claire has been with the cruisers up until now I came into the venue before uh seeing Claire in her car and I my wife said to me oh I wonder if Claire has a has a game today and I and I said without even skipping a beat I'm like check when the all blacks have a have a game and she's looking and she's like they don't have a game and I'm like oh well then I guess we're not watching Claire and then it dawned on me I'm like Oh yeah, there's been a switch here, right? Isn't it? <laughs> I totally forgot uh, about the switch. To this, be honest with you, <laughs> yeah, it it was just so different. And I, I was sitting up in the in the stands, uh, in that horrible accessible section, which I keep teasing, and I'll talk about it in just a second. But um, and somebody that I recognized that I worked with at uh, Voices for Abilities said, because uh, I said to the person with me, I said, um, 
oh, Claire's number 10. And they said, and this voice that I that I recognized but not really said, oh, that's who number 10 is. I've been watching them all weekend and I could not figure it out. And that was uh, Tyler Markham who did uh, one of the shows for uh, for Voices for Ability back in the day. And he said, thank you for filling in the puzzle. Claire, if this makes you feel good, he thought you were a junior uh, on the team. So uh, this is... This is <laughs> Throwing the short jokes out. Oh, okay. <laughs> hey, I will take that. <laughs> uh, funny thing there, Brock. I actually grew up with Tyler back home, so we know each other quite well. And it, it's rather humorous to think that he would uh, say something like that. That I mean, it does make sense. There's a, a good majority of this Durham Steelhawks are are guys that are very close to six foot tall. So in comparison on the ice, I, I can I can see where uh, he got that from. <laughs> and so to do a transition into the next individual who played at the <laughs> Cruisers Cup, the I will tell individual. you that... It was uh, really great to see Josh play. I've seen uh, Josh play a handful of times. And that is when I noticed that the accessible seating is god-awful at that Susan <laughs> Fennel uh, arena. And I'll tell you that it is – it's almost as if you're in a jail cell. So follow me on this one. Wow. It had, it's, got, it's got bars across, and it goes a bar, an opening – about three or four inches, another bar, an opening, three or four inches, another bar. And then the top bar is like right in your eye line, like literally right in your eye line. So you, for me, you've got to pull yourself forward, lean over and say, okay, what am I, where am I, what's happening? Because as someone who's visually impaired, you need to kind of, you know, figure out where your eyes are looking and what's going on. It is a god awful section and... Uh, Steve Sermon, who is one of the Cruisers athletes, said all they have to do is take out the top bar and it would just be wonderful. And I said they'd probably tell you that it's some structural issue that uh, they safety take issue out the, or the, safety the, yeah. or safety. Yeah, but it's just it's an awful um, and not more safe than those tiny hallways into the <laughs> dressing room. So. <laughs> uh, yeah, with with the the switchback corners. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right, because that's at the Susan Fennel complex. I forgot about exactly. that. I was. Yeah, I've I've flipped over a, many a hockey bag trying to get yeah, into those for sure. dressing rooms. Because I was thinking that it was um, Iceland, so I was thinking, oh, you can watch in from behind the glass if you wanted to as well, but they don't have that there. Well, there's there's a few spots like Rink One does have a raised seating area for accessible seating, but it is right down at ice level. So it depends on what you want. If you want a view of the entire ice surface, you're better off being up above. But yeah, they have designed that wonderful safety barrier that's, you know, just perfect for a child to climb over and for us not to be able to see. Yeah. Yeah. And even that corner. Uh, the, the corner you speak of, like it's a long way down the ice as somebody who has a visual impairment. And, it, you know, even so being at the top, you know, you can see a little bit better. But that that corner, I understand the idea that, oh, this, this looks really good. But it's not practical in my mind when you have a visual impairment. 
but I digress. So well, actually, the only other thing I want to mention is maybe we should get our uh, coach, uh, Ken Hall, to maybe uh, talk to the people at the, the Susan Fennel Complex so they can start to make those adjustments. Or I, I'm sure, like I live in Brampton, maybe I could uh, reach out to Patrick Brown. I'm not sure if he's accessible or not and have a chat with him and maybe we can get that uh, rink uh, to be a bit more accessible. Well, the funny thing is they've already adjusted rink one to be friendly for sledge hockey. They just haven't thought of visual sight lines, unfortunately. But they have made some changes if you noticed the uh, the dasher boards and things like that. And even the benches are actually uh, skatable benches, so to speak. I'm not sure I would actually be able to skate on and off that bench, but it is theoretically possible. So they made it accessible for the players, but not necessarily for the right, viewers. Exactly. Yeah, I was going to say that maybe they, they haven't thought of uh, the people watching the hockey and we're only having the athletes in mind. So. Yeah. Which, granted, it's a start, but yeah, there's there's more that could be done. Cameron, to your point about getting in touch with uh, Patrick Brown, do me a favor, try uh, patrick.brown at, at brampton.ca. See where that gets you. I have no idea. I'm just throwing uh, <laughs> throwing emails at the <laughs> wall. Might be, <laughs> might be a contact. <laughs> I am sure if I Googled his name, uh, his email will come up or something. Oh, and... I'm sure he has a wonderful bio up on the city's website. Oh, absolutely. All the wonderful things he's done. And he just got reelected too, so I don't know how apropos he would be to uh, you know fixing some things. Maybe that's going to be more of an election promise four years from now so who knows this is the election portion of the neutral zone welcome everybody <laughs> and, uh, we hope you enjoy uh, josh you played a um, few games over the weekend and uh, i have played, some... attempted to play you know whatever. <laughs> i have some thoughts uh, but i will let you uh, let you tell us about your events so the floor is yours thank you thank you well we had a good weekend under the circumstances, we had a lot of new players this season, um, at least three or four that I can think of. And honestly, we overall did pretty well considering that. Uh, I will say we did end up with a record of no wins, two losses and one tie. Uh, but over the course of the weekend, I only had... Let me think now. Eight goals scored against me. In theory, that sounds really good. The part of the story I haven't shared yet is that seven of those goals came in our last game against Montreal. That was a little humbling, to say the least. But we had two really good games, one against a team from Markham, the Islanders. Very good team. Uh, we played them very, very tough. We just neither one... Neither team could uh, could find a way to score, unfortunately. And in the second game, we ended up losing one nothing to Elmville. Again, a very good club. Uh, they have a long history in our league and very very good people. Really great sports. Uh, but they just they happened to, to squeeze one past me that uh, I wish I had back. But that's the life of a goaltender, unfortunately. The team against Montreal is always strong. Uh, they play very well, as Claire alluded to. Uh, the The team that was their open team is probably their weakest players, if I can use that term in quotation marks, because they are, are still 
quite a good team. And unfortunately, we just, we all collectively as a team had a bad game. I went to smother pucks and had them bounce off my glove right to an opponent who put it into an open net. I had pucks that went in just outside of my reach. I had pucks where I thought I was doing the right thing by playing a puck into a corner, only to play it to an opponent who then passed it across to his teammate who put it into an open side. So it was that kind of a day. But you know what? I'm proud of the way the team tried to play. We we have a lot to work on, myself included, and I I will never ask a teammate to work on something that I'm not willing to work on. Uh, we we have some communication issues we have to work out, starting with me. And you know what? We're going to be better. We're going to grow, and we're going to get better. And by the end of the season, we will not be the same team. So, all in all, it was a a great weekend to learn. Now. We've got just under 10 minutes left in this show. And this is the part of the show where I'm going to give cruisers a lot of credit. And if this is still not the case, or this is this is not the case anymore, as I try to spit that out in English, uh, then one of you let me know. But the best of my knowledge is that the cruisers sports still do not allow push sle- uh, sledge athletes, correct? No, they actually do. Our junior team does have one individual, a fellow named Carter, who does play with his dad as a pusher. So that particular rule has been altered when the circumstance warrants. Uh, Having said that, the rule is that if the person is able to propel themselves at all, then they are expected to do so. Okay. In Carter's case, he has severe CP. So he, as I understand it, is not able to coordinate to push himself. So that is why we have him uh, using a pusher. But generally speaking, we try not to have pushers. Okay, thus be, and and I'm going to go with the generally because I know Carter personally and and I'm really glad that they made that amendment because he loves hockey and, you know, he wanted the fast action sport. I love that they, that they did this. However. And you know what? He's really good at it. Yeah. Considering his ability, he is good at it. Yes. However. I watched him over the weekend. I was watching one Josh Watson's game against uh, Montreal. <laughs> and I know what's the, coming. The, the pusher of the individual who I'm sure needs the pushing. There is no denying. Mm. Of, of, okay. Josh says, mm, but I'm going to go with, I'm sure they need pushing because that's why they would be in a push sledge, allegedly. But that pusher was involved in more in the action than I think he probably should have been. He was involved in a two-on-one with a, another athlete and... I'm thinking to myself, isn't the rule still that that is that you're supposed to be behind the play and not leading the charge? I'm the, the, there was just things that I didn't like about it. And I have to be honest and say to you guys that, like, I get it in a Carter situation. I understand it. But those pushers have a way, Josh Watson, of putting their feet right in places that make it 
really hard to make a save and they do that intentionally and i don't care what anybody says and that's exactly why we teach our players that you are not allowed to take out the pusher but if you get between the sled and the pusher that is perfectly legal i remember these conversations and if that pusher just happens to hit the deck well then the you pusher know. is part of uh, the sledge if I'm wrong, um, I believe it used to be that the pusher couldn't go any faster than the slowest person on their team. That is the letter of the law. Okay. But, but much like the T-boning penalty, we know how often it gets called. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. I, I just wanted to let that, uh, for the listeners to know that that is what the, yeah, for a bit of context, uh, to, so a two-on-one, I, I don't think really a pusher should be a part of that. Uh, well, and imagine my chagrin when the person being pushed actually scored on me. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah, and see, I wasn't, when, when you said that, and thank you, Cameron, for the context, because I, I didn't want to say that I thought that that was the rule because I thought, if if the pusher was involved in a two-on-one and wasn't supposed to be, my goodness, maybe the referee would make some kind of a call if that was the case because a two-on-one isn't even remotely close to being what you just described. And I just, I don't know. I, it's... I love our referees. They volunteer their time for the most part. They do get a little bit of a payment for doing the work, but most of the time they are... Ontario Minor Hockey Association referees, and this is probably the only time of year that they actually do referee sledge. And so, God bless them, but oh yeah, there are so many areas that they like, could Those um, referees that you're talking about, Josh, like, <laughs> they don't know, and then, you know, somebody does do a T-bone or whatever it is, and then it's like... Oh, the poor disabled person. We don't want to call a penalty on them. And, like, that's the attitude that they take, in my opinion. Like, call the penalties. We're playing hockey. If we weren't able to play it, we wouldn't be out there. Like, call it. It's, it's, yeah. yeah, it's frustrating. It's para ice hockey. Like, it, it, the, the, everyone has a disability. So, like, if the narrative is, well, they have a disability, like, that's just. That's a cop out, in my opinion, to be like that's that's just nonsense. Go ahead, Claire. Yeah, we've uh, we've ex experienced something similar um, in the women's game. We've we've gone to play games and it be all women on the ice, and and the refs are are calling uh, boarding penalties and and. Uh, uh, thinking that it's a non-contact sport because when you look at the women's game and the stand-up game, there it's technically you're not. It's not a contact sport. Sport. So, no. but it, it's very different in sledge hockey. It's it's, it's full contact sport. Okay, I was going to say for yeah. the women, and it's just it's wild. We we lay a good clean hit, and you end up in the box, and you're like, we're just I'm trying to play hockey here. So. <laughs> uh, Josh is in a no contact division and there's more contact than no contact that occurs that is where <laughs> that is where i will leave that discussion totally no contact division. that is the end <laughs> yeah. of our show for this week i would like to thank 
Cam Jenkins, Claire Buchanan, and Josh Watson. I'd also like to thank our technical producer, Mark Follow. Our manager of AMI Audio is Andy Frank. Tune in next week because you just never know what happens when you enter the neutral zone. Have a great week. Be safe. Be well. 